Welcome to the Agency Growth Machine Podcast, where it's all about transforming potential into profit. And now your host, Randy Schwantz. Hey, this is Randy Schwantz with the Agency Growth Machine Podcast. I want to talk about sales meetings, sales meetings. Hey, let's, let's, let's just look at it real fast. Where'd the whole concept of sales meeting come from? Here's where it came from. Back in the old days, in the really old days, when the Industrial Revolution kicked in, in order for all those big manufacturers to be able to get their products distributed, they started hiring salespeople. And um, salespeople go out there and did the Dell Carnegie feature benefit. Let me show it to you. Let me show it does what, what, let me show you what it does for you. And then work to close. And then they would have sales meetings where they invite all these people back in, say on a quarterly basis or something like that, and talk about what's going on, introduce new product, give big time rewards to the best salespeople, try to motivate, pump up people, all that sort of stuff. And that was the advent, the creation, the beginning of sales meetings. So there's a lot of firms that still today have annual sales meetings, big reward meetings. Some people have morphed it down to weekly sales meetings. Now, the sales meetings of old and the sales meetings of today uh, could be should be a lot different. They've changed in different ways. Um, in agencies, I've set through uh, about twenty five hundred sales meetings of which I've conducted, and maybe fifty that other people have conducted. And so when I started watching what sales meetings people were doing, it was not uncommon that we had like one of my first early clients, uh, you know, maybe seven salespeople. So we had a CEO that was the biggest producer. It had the president that was also a big producer, had the EVP that was a pretty good sized producer, and then had all the other producers sitting around the table. And of course the CEO felt like it was important for him to make sure that this agency grew, but he didn't want to do it. So then the EVP, not the president, ended up with the magic wand. Hey man, help us drive sales. So they'd all kind of sit there. The The CEO was at the one end of the boardroom. The EVP was at the other end of the boardroom or the, 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 the table. And um, everybody was sitting down in a chair, relaxed. You know, it always starts off, it always started off then, tell a few stories, what's going on, be friendly. Um, sometimes they'd even invite in an underwriter to come in and tell the story or a marketing rep from a carrier. Um, they would uh, put the numbers up on a flip chart or pass out a spreadsheet with what people have sold. And then they start talking about what's in the pipeline. And they'd ask, does anybody have any hard time, anybody having a hard time with, with any renewals? And then they kind of get down some paths there looking for carriers to build help solve a renewal problem. And then they have some just kind of general kibitzing or kidding or talking. And then 60 minutes is done and we had our sales meeting. Now, there's nothing wrong with any of that, but it didn't improve sales. It didn't drive sales. It didn't make sales people better. It, it pissed some off every once in a while when you kind of ask a certain question, but it, it didn't make them better. And um, I, I remember one time I was talking to a prospect of mine and, and I was asking him about sales meetings. And um, 
he said he didn't believe in them too much, but that he got his producers together once a month. And once again, we just ask them what they're working on, have them turn in their spreadsheet. And uh, I said, I asked him, how effective are they? He said, they're, they're good enough. I mean, we have professionals, so we don't need to go through all that stuff. And I'm just sitting there and saying to myself, really? Really? I mean, you got professionals? And then I asked him, I said, do you, do you ever you coach any of your kids in sports? And he goes, yeah. And uh, I said, well, I bet if you coached your kids in basketball, what you would do is you would tell them, they need to go get prepared, and then once a month or once a week, you'd meet with them, and you say, turn in your spreadsheet, tell me how many free throws you shot, you know, tell me how many times you dribbled the ball, you know, how many hours were you out on the court doing your thing, and they turn in, and that would be your, that'd be your practice session, that'd be your sales meeting. And of course, he looked at me and kind of frowned and you know, you know, thought I must have been some schmuck, uh, some condescending schmuck. But he was convinced that his sales meetings were fine. And I'm sitting there going, holy cow, man. I mean, isn't a sales meetings designed to help people sell more? It's not a communications meeting. It's not a tell people what's going on meeting. It's a sales meeting. You have salespeople there, and the intent of a salesperson is to sell. All right. So before you start to think I'm some condescending schmuck, I'm just telling you, a sales meeting should help producers sell, period. Now, if you want to have a marketing meeting, you want to have a, some other meeting, go have it. But sales meetings should help sales people sell. They should sell more. And the only way they're going to sell more is two things. Uh, number one, they either got to get into more prospects at a faster pace. We could help them do that. So they're setting more appointments, getting position. Or number two, let's help them figure out how to get the competition fired and them take over the incumbent seat. I mean, that's it. What else would you do in a sales meeting? But maybe I'm wrong, right? Maybe I'm wrong. So I went and started after seeing some of these sales meetings. In fact, I mean, here's a true story. Uh, Not that they all aren't, but you know, you set it up that way, right? A lady from Chicago called me because I wrote an article about sales meetings. And she said, "Uh, Randy, we read your article. We'd like for you to come up and audit our sales meeting. I said, audit your sales meetings? She said, yeah. I said, what do you mean? Well, we just want you to come up and kind of watch what we do and see if you can give us any ideas. And I I said, well, why? why? Why would you want me to do that? And she goes, you come, you'll see. So we arranged for it. I told them the fee we contracted. I flew up to Chicago and uh, their sales meetings were on a Monday morning. I show up and uh, the, the, the firm had about eight or nine salespeople, but there was like 20 people in the room. That's weird. And then they had, you can see the spread. If you can imagine that uh, some chef showed up and they had lox and bagel and cream cheese. They had fresh squeezed orange juice. Uh, they had uh, actually the, the freshest coffee you could imagine, as well as some other things. And it was like, wow, this is awesome. It's like going to the Ritz sales meeting. So I had that. Everybody's kind of eating, drinking, having a good time, getting ready. And then about 8.15, the sales meeting started, um, at which point the proverbial sales manager got up, introduced and welcomed everybody introduced me. They had an underwriter in there, introduced the underwriter as guests. And then they turned it over to the CFO, which point the CFO, you know, went through the numbers for the month. 
and talked about how the agency was doing and then, you know, new business that was written and old business that was lost. And certainly that was unbelievable, great information. And then after that, uh, then, uh, they actually let the underwriter get up and, and actually speak a little bit. Now, an underwriter kind of goes that whole, you know, it is Hey, um, um, uh, you know, I know you've got the, the beautiful, uh, bagels and locks and cream cheese, but I brought some crispy <laughs> creams and we have this special program. Let me hand out some brochures to you. And I, I tell you, man, we just really want to partner with you guys and, and, and do whatever we can to earn your business. And this guy sat next to me took his elbow and just poked me in the ribs. And I looked at him and said, what'd you do that for? He said, what did I tell you? I mean, what a waste of time. Why do we have some stupid underwriter in this meeting? I mean, they do nothing to help us sell anything new. They just, I mean, we just wasted six minutes on that person. All right. And then sales manager gets back up and uh, talks a little bit. And then, then finally says, does anybody have any success stories? And of course, this one guy raises his hand and you can, you can almost see who I'm talking about. And he's like, you know, some character from a movie almost. And uh, sales manager said, yeah, Charlie, what's up? And Charlie goes, oh, you know, like, I don't want to make this all about me. But uh, and then he started telling the story and made it all about him. And he took what should have been about a 30 second story and turned it about three and a half minutes about how he won this big account. Yada, yada, yada stuff. Nothing learned. It was just a, a self-flatuation sort of deal. Hey, I don't, I don't know if anybody's ever heard any of this. And we're thinking, man, if I had a shotgun, I'd take him out. Boom. And then after Charlie, nobody else really had a success story. And then, and then the salesman says, anybody have anything new in your pipeline? Of course, that's when Bob raises his hand. Nobody else did. Everybody else looked at their feet. So, yeah, Bob, what are you working on? Bob, you know, like I'm working on the equivalent of GE, General Motors, and Microsoft. And we're thinking like, man, you lying sack of poo. There's, there's no way you're working on that stuff, those big accounts. And he brings up the same stuff over and over and over. Everybody knows it. And then, and then the guy elbowed me again because like, why don't we let him in here? I mean, that guy's such a loser. He's never sold anything, but he's always talking about what he's working on. What a waste of time. And um, so then the uh, sales manager kind of fills a little more space, talking about something, reads a chapter out of a book about some sales technique. And... Um, then it kind of opens it up. And, and what was interesting, and I've never seen this before, but it was true at this agency, third generation, you know, two guys that were grandchildren uh, were in the room and now they're agency principals. So their grandfather started the agency, their daddy ran it for a while. Now they're running it and uh, they're setting opposite side of the deal. What I didn't tell you, it was set up like a U shape. So, th- so these guys are now sitting opposite of each other and then they kind of you know, one of them, one of them has to say something and the other one has to then debate him. And then now it's almost like watching a tennis match with a debate ball going back and forth between these two guys. And nobody had the power to shut them up because they're third generation, uh, they're owners and they got big egos and thanks to their daddy and granddaddy, they're rich kids. If you understand what I mean, and they're brilliant. So that went on for like every bit of 20 minutes. And then the sales manager gets back up because we're almost out of time. And thanks, everybody, for coming. And the whole crowd gets up with their head just pointed at the ground, depressed, walking out. And that's when I started thinking, uh, man, we need something with some snap, crackle, and pop. And that certainly wasn't it. And then that's when I came up with the idea of crisp sales meetings. 
snap, crackle, and pop, something that's crisp, not soggy. But before I got into developing any, I, I, I really went to, to producers and I started saying, hey, man, what would you like in a sales meeting? And this guy, one guy was, 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 was vulnerable enough and transparent enough to say, hey, Randy, look, man, I've been doing this for 20 plus years. I built up a great client base. This guy had about a $800,000 book of business. He said, you know, listen, a bunch of nonsense doesn't do me much good. But I do know that I've got a lot of clients that like and respect me. They know people that I should be, you know, working for referrals and introductions. I haven't done a good job of that. I'd like to have a sales meeting that really helps me get over the hump, open up those doors and capitalize on those relationships. All right. So then I went to, you know, a new guy. And what would you like to have in a sales meeting? He said, Randy, you know, it's like, I got a lot of energy. I'll I'll make a lot of phone calls. I'll set a lot of appointments. But winning these deals are hard, you know, because every time there's, you know, my training is, you know, my training was all about, you know, get get the policies, uh, find a coverage gap, market it, save some money, say to your buyer, if I could enhance your coverage and save some money, and the reason why we couldn't make a change. I mean, that's what I've been trained to do, and it's not really working. So I'd like to have a sales meeting that helped me figure out how to win this business, how to how to gain some sort of differentiation that we as a firm have and just get better at, at using that to win business. And then, you know, I go to another kind of uh, mid-tier guy. Well, no, I went with a sales manager. Hey, what would you like? He said, man, I I like a process because I don't like what we've been doing either so that we can put these guys, you know, put them on the hot seat, help them win, hold them accountable uh, and create that kind of environment. So that's when I kind of put together what we call crisp sales meetings. And um, it became pretty simple, really. But it became simple because we had a, you know, what I'm going to call a sales platform, a sales platform playbook. And if you've seen any of my stuff, you know, I'm always talking about the flight plan. And the reason we use the flight plan analogy is because selling is like flying. If you don't land safely, nothing else really matters. It's about getting your wheels on the runway and getting paid. So I studied the business of selling both like a psychologist and an engineer, trying to find out what causes us to crash, what prevents us from landing safely. And so what hit me, I mean, it became very apparent at one point that uh, particularly in the insurance business specifically, what prevents us from landing safely in many cases is the incumbent. It's fairly easy to bring back something better. It's fairly easy to find a coverage gap. It's fairly easy to find an underwriter that wants to drop their pants and give us a better price. All those things are fairly easy if you've been around for a while. What wasn't easy was dealing with the fact that the incumbent had the relationship and almost everything that we could bring to the table, if you give the incumbent 12 hours, 24 hours, 36 hours, I mean, there's a great chance they'll find an underwriter that wants to match the price that we brought, match the coverage that we have, and they're gonna leverage the guilt card, the shame card, the loyalty card with their client, our prospect, and because their client, our prospect knows them better than they do us. The devil they know is better than the devil they don't know. So then they just give, they generally give the incumbent the advantage and says, okay, if you can match it, you can keep it. And that's what happened a bunch. So when you start thinking about that, a sales meeting should start with that as the problem. The incumbent has 
your money. The incumbent has the relationship with their client, your prospect. If that prospect has them, then tell me, why do they need you? And so that just seemed to make a lot of sense to me because it's built upon the whole flight plan deal. Flight plan being, if you don't land safely, nothing else really matters. And if you look at a flight plan, just like a plane, an airplane, you know, before you took off, you'd want to do maintenance on the airplane to make sure that it was flight worthy. And then you're going to do your flight plan, which is equivalent to a pre-call strategy. And then you're going to hop in that plane and go running down the runway and start to lift off. And your ability to lift off is in selling is is direct proportion to your differentiation. So you need differentiation in order to fly high, fly safe. You fly your destination. You come in for the approach or the landing. You know, you land it and then you uh, park it. So in this context, if we've got great differentiation, we're going to fly high. If we got good strategy, we're going to win the deal. If we don't have a good strategy, the incumbent's going to kill us. So because people get killed by the incumbent so much, our salesman should be about how to, instead of get killed by the incumbent, how to take out the incumbent, how to get the competition fired, how to put a wedge between your prospect and the bad guy. And it became basis for the sales meetings. So then what do you do? Well, by definition, you got to, you got to, you got to roll the incumbent into the room. So we started putting up on the whiteboard. There's the name of the business, top left-hand corner. There are the buyers coming down the left-hand side, bottom right-hand corner. There's the incumbent top right-hand corner. You know, there's the, there's the revenue. There's a renewal date. And then you just start working it through with, with your producer. If they got that guy, the incumbent, then why do these buyers need you? Make them define and defend how they're better. Now, I know uh, that out of 40,000 agencies, there's probably less than about 1,500 that we would consider to be growth agencies. That means that there's 38,500 that are not growth agencies. They're, they're churning. They're getting by. They're producing a little bit. But they're not, they're not hiring producers. They're not producing enough to be growth agencies. And I know that most of those growth agencies, when we talk about this kind of stuff, they hate it. They go, man, that sounds like a lot of work. Uh, I believe it should be all about building relationships, not busting relationships. Uh, the reason people buy from me is because I'm a good guy. I'm respectable. Uh, I'm good at relationships. I know what I'm doing. The problem is, the problem is that that's not very transferable to the average guy. So let me just say that. When, I, when I've met agency principals that are just unbelievable salespeople, they've got charm out the gazoo. People are just love them and attracted to them. And many times they don't need much of a sales strategy. Their, their charisma uh, causes people to buy from them. But the average guy is not like that. And there's a lot of us out there that are average. So if your sales meeting's not helping average guys win, then your agency's probably not growing. So once again, what do you do? There's two things. Either you're going to do pre-call strategy and get that, to get that producer ready to go, or you're going to work them through working a client for an introduction. Now, you're sitting there going, well, Randy, you're only working two people, maybe, in a sales meeting. I go, I know. I know, but if I do that really well, I'm going to extract out, I'm going to suck out, I'm going to educe out, I'm going to pull out of that producer his or her 
very best work, their best processes, their best way of doing business. And if I've done that well, then everybody else is going to learn their best work. If I do it poorly, we're just going to hear some stupid story that's going to bore everybody. So therefore, as a sales leader, I got to be great. So the process is pre-call strategy. If they got that guy, why you make the producer start to identify the things they do that the incumbent's not doing. It could be things like claims management, loss control, business interruption worksheet, experience mod projection, uh, a mock OSHA inspection, contract reviews. I mean, all sorts of things, right? And you might be saying, oh, Randy, that's Mamby Pamby stuff. All right, then it's Mamby Pamby stuff for you. What I know is that most of your competitors, most of your average competitors are not doing these things for their clients. They are being reactive in what they do. So if you can define those proactive services and find great ways to articulate them, then you can drive wedge on your prospect income and you'll win a lot more business by BOR. So then now we're working like two people. You know, sales leaders got to be good at running the meeting. Producers are sitting there learning as they're doing it, being called out on the hot seat. And then they're able to go out on that sales call, win that piece of business, but everybody else is learning from them. So it becomes a win, win, win thing. Agency grows, so the leaders get what they want. Producer wins business, they get what they want. Buyer gets a better agent, they get what they want. Other producers in the room are now in the learning mode, they get what they want. It's huge. So that's just my way of encouraging you Change the sales meetings. Meetings should be designed to help people sell, not quote. Sell, win, put money in the bank. So that's a Chris sells me. If you want to know more about it, I mean, you just go to the wedge.net. I mean, that's what we do. You know, that's what we do. And we, we teach sales leaders how to, how, how to run great Chris sales meetings. We teach them how to create great sales cultures. And, uh, there you go. So that's this week's podcast, Agency Growth Machine, where we're helping insurance agencies transform potential into profit. And why is that? Because busy agency owners, in most cases, don't have the resources to convert and train and develop their producers into high growth machines. And that's why we developed a platform to help them motivate producers, create confidence get them organized and help them have a plan so that they grow and then the agency grows. And we do that with what we call the IWIN agency growth system, where it's a 3D process, 3D meaning that, that the training, the technology, as well as the coaching are all integrated in sync, radically increases the chances to get synergy, which is a better combined effect, better than if you have bucket technology, Better than if you go hire Sandler as a sales training firm to just come in and do some sales training. Better than if you call up and you just get somebody as a coach to come in and start talking through things is that when you can get your training, your technology, and your coaching all totally integrated doing exactly the same thing, you get a better combined effect. That's the IWIN agency growth system. And uh, that's why we do these podcasts to help raise your expectations about how great you can be. So anytime you want to, reach out to us at thewedge.net. It's Randy Schwantz signing off.